Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramist, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. We've been talking about CIC issue number 122. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. But today we're going to take a little bit of a break from that, and we're going to talk about the warfare worldview. Now, before we actually define that, Bob is going to share a quote from Neil Anderson's book that we closed with last week to introduce this topic. So if you want to share that that passage from Neil Anderson, then we'll talk about warfare worldview. Okay, from the book, The Bondage Maker. This is what you're supposed to uh, pray, part of this prayer that he prescribes for people concerning their home, their apartment, or their room. Okay? Okay. Here's what you say, quote, I command every evil spirit claiming ground in this place based on the activities of past or present occupants, including me, to leave and never return. I renounce all curses and spells directed against this place. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to post your holy warring angels around this place to guard it from any and all attempts of the enemy to enter and disturb your purposes for me and my family. That's the salient part of that prescribed prayer for the cleansing of your home if you're a Christian. Okay. Wow. So when we when he read that last week, what popped into my mind was that is the warfare worldview. Can you define that for us? Right. Well, the warfare worldview is telling us that our well-being and our victory is about a battle between us and the spirits uh, based on strategy, knowledge, and various things that we need to do the battle. And okay. the outcome, it depends on how well we do. Although I think most people who teach that as Christians think that ultimately God is going to win the battle. But how well our life goes is really between us and the devil and how well we battle it out. Wow, that should be shocking. Well, it should be, but it's not because it's pretty well what most people believe. Right. Now, not that they don't think God is in charge, because Anderson says that he believes that, and he has some truths in there that he finds correctly from places like Ephesians. But rather than this idea of transfer from the domain of Satan into the kingdom of his beloved son, they believe in this continual battle that has to do with just about anything and everything that's important to us. Okay. The battle concerns whatever residual effects there is in our lives from our past or from our ancestors or from our um, ethnic origin, our country of origin, culture, from 
things that have been done, occult items that we may have owned, things other people did. Notice he mentioned spells. Now, astrological charts. Okay, most Christians don't believe that, but some have a similar view using this enneagram. Okay. okay. Very similar. And so, and then victory has to do with learning to say the right words, renounce the right things, affirm the right things, break the right curses, cast out the right demons, and so on and so forth. And so one ends up with a continual process of interacting with the world of the spirits and spiritual curses. Okay. So then to take... It is. And then if you go back to the house example, so when we first moved to Mankato, we bought an older home. We knew that at the time we bought it, we knew it had been vacant for seven years. So we knew there was going to be issues that was, you know, figured into what we paid for it. We knew we were going to have to replace the air conditioning. We knew we were going to have to get heat and air conditioning into the master bedroom. We knew the yard had been neglected for seven years. I mean, we had a lot of things that we knew going into it, but a tremendous number of things came up after we moved in. So when you were reading that from Neil Anderson, I was thinking if I held that worldview, if I held the warfare worldview, when we moved into that house, and all these things started going wrong, I would have called the Christian shaman to come drive out the demons, right? come break the curses. Who right. knows how many different families and how many different people had lived in that house over nearly a hundred right. years. Any number of things could have gone on in there. In my mind, that would have been overwhelming and almost hopeless. Well, that's why they end up with shamans. Yeah. Because the ordinary person isn't convinced that he or she has all the details and tools or revelations, whatever it is they need. And so that kind of a worldview always ends up with shamans. Now, Christians don't call them that gurus, witch doctors, shamans, but essentially that's what they deliverance are. Deliverance ministers. Yeah, they're deliverance ministers, curse breakers, uh, counselors, whatever you want to call them. In some cases, they even call people out to cleanse the house before they move in. Right. And so I, I think, think if I held that worldview, I probably would have because I was, you know, maybe the demons got in while the people weren't there for seven years. You know? Well, yeah, the point is you just don't know what's going on in that world. Now, we're not saying that there are no demons, devils, curses, and so forth. We're not saying they don't exist. Right. We're saying that Christians have a different status than the lost. And we're not saying that Christians necessarily have less problems. Okay. What we have is a different relationship with God. Right. Okay. God is sovereign over all things. Okay. And I've claimed for decades that the all things statements in the New Testament are literal, unless the context proves otherwise. Okay? okay. And when it's talking about God's rule over his own universe, they're very much literal. And Romans 8 is a great example. All things work together for the good of those who love God or call according to his purpose. 
and then it lists. And then there's a big list of things. The Romans eight at the end of Romans eight, that cannot, will not separate us from the love of God. Okay, right. Okay, so we have every reason to have confidence. But what uh, derails people's confidence are these teachers that suggest there's so, yeah, but there's these secret curses that could derail everything. It could uh, mess everything up. And God expects you to know that. You're supposed to get revelation knowledge so that you can say the right thing and break the curse. Okay. And by doing that, and there are so many people who believe this, they are slipping back into the world of the pagans. Right. Okay. In Acts, it talks about people who repented, who had burned their magical uh, writings that were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. Huge, huge amount of money. Right. It would have been on them. Uh, Clinton Arnold in his book about the Colossian syncretism and this one that we're citing here about power and magic in Ephesus cite some of the extant works like that that were found. Okay. And there would be adjuration. I, I adjure you, and then it would list a whole list of names of deities and then would plead for freedom from bad fate caused by some other forces. Okay. okay. And they didn't want to miss anybody. And then those papyri probably had on them specific things that you could say or utterances or secret names that would be the key to getting rid of bad fate. All right. Okay, it was secret material. Okay, so when Christians go into the warfare worldview, they unwittingly put themselves back into the same realm that the pagans in ancient Asia Minor were in. Right. Okay. Uh, why did they burn that expensive material? Because they didn't want to be tempted to go back to that. Right. They were affirming that God is the sovereign, sovereign creator of the whole universe. And that if what Paul was preaching is true, that we're seated with him and we're safe, and that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would ultimately be glorified Therefore, we're safe, and we can stand in the armor of God. And right. Standing isn't the same as doing these verbal renunciations, affirmations, and stationing of angels. Okay. And so, really, Neil Anderson is doing the same thing that they were doing in Ephesus. Here's our incantations. Here's our amulets. Here's our things we're going to do that are going to ward off bad fate, even uh, though we affirm we're in Christ. Go ahead. Well, even so, even though we affirm we're in Christ, if we're going to go back and really it boils down to then secret knowledge, right? Well, I can't look at my house and know what happened here before. I can't look at my house and see if there's a demon. Well, the question is this. Anderson would deny that. And ironically, he worked under Clinton Arnold out at a certain seminary. Okay. And so they had the same material. And, I, and Arnold also gets a few things wrong by 
using the term appropriate where he should be using believe. Okay. And so he has a broad-based thing. In other words, Anderson okay. isn't claiming you need to know specifically what religion somebody practiced in your house. So he has this broad statement of cleansing. Okay. okay. And but that's an important distinction. It is, but it doesn't truly solve the problem of syncretism. I feel like it's just kind of this, we're going to throw a dart or we're going to, you know, maybe something is going on. So we'll just say this vague prayer just in case something ever happened. And that'll keep me safe. Or God tell God to station the angels around the house. But see, paganism, uh, dear listeners, is the default position of the human race. It's what people go to if they don't make any other decision, they'll just be pagans. And yeah. that's important too. I think often when we say paganism, people think of Wiccans dancing around trees out in the fields, chanting things. It's it's more broad than that. It it's what you are stuck with if you don't have special revelation, the things that are revealed in the Bible. In other words, okay. we don't believe exactly what the Bible says about what we can know about the realm of the spirits that's revealed by God and who he is and how we come to him and what it means to serve him. That's someone who has the Bible, has revelation from God. That makes you not a pagan, okay? A pagan is searching around for God, but they don't know who he is. Like the philosophers in Acts 17 at the Rock, excuse me, on Mars Hill there. Something there you now, uh, I'm sure Neil Henderson doesn't consider himself a pagan, but he doesn't see his own uh, compromise. And he's okay. giving in to people's fear that God won't really do it unless I say it right. What if I don't pray my prayer right? Well, here, here's a checklist. Check these things off. Here's the prayer. I prescribed it. Just say this one. This one will work. And whether they believe it or intend to do that, you're just stepping back toward Roman Catholicism. Right. It could be simpler to call a priest out with his holy water. Yeah. Okay. And it really boils down. It ends up being the same thing. Right. Now, people are afraid that if they just trust Christ and do things his way, it won't work. I've heard people say, it's not going to work. What if I still have broken things in my house? What if I still have symptoms? What if I still have fears? What if there are still manifestations? Well, here's something we need to understand. Christians are still living in the same fallen world as everybody else. Right. John says, and I've preached on this recently in 1 John 5, we are of God. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Yeah. Okay. And until the return of Christ and the setting up the millennial kingdom and then ultimately the eternal order, we're interacting with all of this stuff. It's out there. Okay. Okay. And we're not in paradise. We do have troubles. We are under persecution. We still are aging. We're not going to uh, have perfection in this world. And the important thing 
to have access to the throne of grace. I must have sent Hebrews 4.16 to hundreds of CAC readers who've asked questions. And dear um, saints, don't take that as a put off. This right. is the most glorious privilege that anyone can have. We don't need to tell God where to station his angels. <laughs> right. That's actually presumptuous. It sure and is, as if we know Satan, better than he did. Or maybe if Satan said, we'll just jump off the pinnacle of the temple, God will send his angels. Right. Yeah. So, uh, no, God's in charge of the, that realm of both the good and the evil angels. Yeah. The divine council worldview tells us, Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9 and elsewhere, and Job 1, and so on. We've talked about these things. Yeah. Even the evil angels like Satan have to go get permission from God. Right. We see that in Job 1. Yeah. Remember Jesus said to Peter, Satan's demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Right. And okay. Peter didn't go to the deliverance counselor after yeah. that. He said, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Amen. Earn it, strengthen your brethren. And so the shift, dear, dear um, listeners and readers and watchers of the YouTube, the shift that we need is to go from the warfare worldview, where we're complex system, curses, demons, good angels, bad angels, invocations, renunciations, affirmations, checklists, all of that, names of demons, over to the providential worldview, I call it, where when we're converted, we're transferred out of the domain of Satan and into the kingdom of God, out of darkness into light, from, from Satan to Christ, okay? And now, as believers, we have direct access to the throne of grace. Right. Second Corinthians 12, Paul brought his messenger from Satan, thorn in the flesh, directly to God. In every case, we pray to God. We just, I preached on that yesterday from uh, Luke. Uh, we, we want to do that sometime, that parable of the unrighteous judge. Yeah. We want to cover that in one of these videos. It's really important. But we still have all the same problems. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is we don't have to cleanse our houses. We don't have to tell God where to put his angels. We don't have to break the curses. We don't have to know the names of the demons. We don't have to rebuke Satan and bind demons and do this and do that and claim this and plead that. We need to just go in prayer to the throne of grace and appeal to God who loves us and cares for us and believe his promises. Yep. The means of grace are accessible to all Christians. Yes. And the word of God is clear. We need to believe what God says. And then part of life is figuring it out. You have a house like Jessica was referring to one that they had. Mm -hmm. You deal with it. You figure out how to do things. You figure out how to pay for it. I had to do that. I didn't have any money when we bought a house. Yeah. The rates were too high. This is in the early 80s. It was, it was a battle. It's a good thing I was young. 
endless battle to take care of a house and to raise kids and to solve the problems and to pay the bills and to work two or three jobs, do whatever you have to do. But that's part of the life we have. It is. And we grow through that. If, if we look, we were in that house for 18 months. When we moved here, my kids were two and three. And my husband was working all over North America from Canada to Mexico. And here we are in Mankato with this house with just constant problems. But you know, I relied on God we made decisions. <laughs> he called me every evening. Okay, what do we need to deal with now? We worked through it. We fixed up the house. It ended up, I miss that house now. It, it ended up being a really nice house for us, but it was a lot. It was, you know, uh, probably a year of that year and a half of the, now the plumbing's bad. Now we have electric electrical problems. Now there are birds living in the, in the windowsills. <laughs> things we we knew the things saw a lot of the things up front, but seven years of a vacant house and a lot of things start to go bad, and they actually get worse. We learned when you move into the house. Wow! But in the end, I met some good friends down here. I my kids love it here. We got the house fixed up. We ended up making a pretty nice profit on it when we sold it because we had done all the work. It was really, a, it was in a very desirable neighborhood and it was a nice big house. It just took somebody to move in and do all the things that need to be done. And in the end, it all worked out. Right, we see, we had the same problems as other people that don't know Christ right. in a lot of ways, but our sins are forgiven who have access to the throne of grace, and we have one another. And I've been emphasizing that as I'm coming to the end of my sermons on Ephesians. Yeah. And we need to bear one another one another's burdens. Yep. So that yeah. providential worldview, God providentially moved us to Mankato for a job for my husband. We bought the house that was in our budget at the time, knowing we were going to need to fix some things up. And we, we just well, did what we needed to do. That's how life goes. You know, those years I had, you were a little girl when we were in that house that I had to work so hard just to survive. Yeah. And uh, we were there for like five and a half years, I think, five and a half or six years. But that's part of the memories of life. So we live in this world. Right. And we either go and through fond memories of those years in that house in that neighborhood and you were little you didn't have to solve the problems <laughs> That's right. Funny i just had to go in my room and read my nancy drew books and yeah, everything just was fixed <laughs> or you put on plays in the basement with your little brother being uh having a lesser role i remember that <laughs> he always had the privilege of rolling out the red carpet for me the princess <laughs> yeah right when you're oldest you get to decide who, who's what in the play. Well, but the point is, dear saints, there's not some magical process of curse breaking, demon casting out, uh, naming and claiming and doing this and that that's going to suddenly make it so you don't have the same problems as everybody else. Right. In the worldview that's providential where God's in charge of his own universe, and he's working for the benefit of his own people, Romans 8, 28, Ephesians chapter 1, the barakah, the blessing of God 
for his mighty works, which was verses 3 through 14, then we are safe. And we can't allow geography or symptoms to make us want to bail out and start thinking we're not safe. Right. I live in the wrong neighborhood or I have the wrong symptoms. Mm -hmm. Because our relationship to God is based on faith in Christ through the gospel. And it's a relationship of love and trust. Whereas the pagans have nothing but symptoms and a confused view of what kind of a spiritual world they're living in. Right. And so we need to not go into this warfare worldview where we're going to duke it out with the spirits and figure out what the curses are. We need to go in through the gospel to Christ on the throne of grace and trust him who's going to take care of us. And we need to love and pray for one another as Christians. That's right. The providential worldview doesn't mean we do nothing. The providential worldview means we believe and we obey God. And we know that he is working all things out, you know, for our good and for his glory. And we're trusting in the promises of God and we're still making decisions and we're still praying about things and we're still doing the things we need to do, Right. but we don't need secret knowledge to do it. We don't need special processes to do it. We need to trust and believe and sit under the means of grace and do the things that God expects us to do. We glorify him. We live our lives. We make our decisions. Right. And in the end, God brings us all the way to glory. Right. So hopefully uh, in Ephesus, when they sold their magical papyri or burned it all, they didn't sell it, they burned it all, figured out what it would have been worth if they sold it, but they didn't want anybody else to have that stuff. Hopefully you don't go sifting through the ashes trying to find a piece that didn't burn because you start bailing out on God. Right. Oh, things went wrong. Maybe I need, I really needed a curse breaker. Dear saints, don't bail out. God cannot lie. His promises are true. Don't go running for the Neil Anderson book and start going through the checklist. Don't spend right. thousands of dollars to find the exorcist. Believe the promises of God. He will take care of you. And there are benefits. There's spiritual benefits. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, the fruits of the Spirit, the joy of salvation, the hope of eternal life, the joy of fellowship with others who love Christ, Christian worship, and so on. There's, there's many blessings and benefits. But it's all based on faith, not on knowledge of secret things God hasn't revealed. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. I want to remind you that you can access this episode as well as years worth of articles and other resources at the website cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. <laughs>